0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: This episode is marked for sensitive content. Check content warnings in the episode description before listening. This week on The Breakup Breakdown.
0: We had a pretty meet cute, honestly. It was freshman year of high school. He was my person for so long. Throughout this whole time, he's keeping secret from me that he's really sick. At this point, I was also questioning my sexuality. There's a lot of guilt. You know, he's in the hospital. You don't want to break up with somebody when they're in. The hospital like that's some bad karma for
1: life yeah definitely not the best timing to tell your boyfriend of four years that you're ready to move on hey what's up it's abby from the breakup breakdown thanks so much for tuning in to another episode if you're new to the podcast this is the show that gets to the bottom of those messy breakups you want to know more about and it could be this girl that you have been following on your instagram for like i don't know a decade she got engaged but you're nosy and you notice wait a second she hasn't posted her fiance in a while what happened there well you can submit her and if she responds to my dms maybe she'll come on the podcast and give a full story or maybe it's a tiktok that you saw where you saw someone start talking about their breakup but you want more details or it can even be your own breakup story whatever it is we love hearing the story and getting some good lessons along the way if you've got a suggestion for the podcast head down to the episode description you'll find a submission form linked there also while you're down there check out the details for the breakup breakdown podcast brunch that's going down on september 23rd in atlanta georgia and be sure to stay tuned for discount details. And as always, if you wanna jump to a certain part of the interview, check timestamps in the episode description. Hey, Heartbreakers, welcome back to another episode of the Breakup Breakdown. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. So this week we've got a submission about high school sweethearts that split up. But before we get to that, every week we give a shout out to a different domestic violence shelter throughout the country, just to raise awareness for them. And this week we are giving a shout out to the Salvation Army Domestic Violence Center in Northwest Florida. They have professionally trained counselors and staff members who work around the clock to combat the effects of domestic violence. Not only do they have primary counselors for adults, but they also have children's counselors for any kids who have also been affected by a relationship that's been impacted by domestic violence. So as always, you can check out all those details on how you can support them in the episode description. And if you haven't heard yet, we're having a breakup breakdown brunch on September 23rd. It's going down in Atlanta, Georgia. It's gonna be so much fun. You're gonna get to meet other podcast listeners, have a nice break. I'll be there and we're going to have a live episode where a very special guest is going to come up on stage and talk about her breakup. And we'll even have some fun icebreakers where, you know, maybe you'll even get to share your own breakup story with the whole crowd. It's going to be a great time. Tickets are available for 50 bucks, but if you want to get 10% off your ticket, you can use the code BREAKDOWN9, the number nine. So the word BREAKDOWN and then the number nine, that is going to be live for 24 hours starting at 6 a.m. Eastern on August 22nd. So you have until 6 a.m. on August 23rd to take advantage of that. Okay, so let's get into this week's episode. So this week's submission is talking about these high school sweethearts, which if you're like me and you received zero romantic attention in high school, you're probably thinking, oh my God, it must be nice because that's how I felt when I was <laughs> when I was reading about this. So this couple had been together for all four years of high school, was one of those couples in a small town, went to college, and then they split. And I got to be honest, there's not some crazy narrative here from what I can tell but I feel like we all have that couple that we knew like in high school or from our childhood and they were together for literally years. You know, they were that couple. And so I feel like we might be able to see glimmers of that couple for all of us in this story. You know, the couple that thrived while it was easy to be together in the same city. But then once the real world hit and they went to college or they just graduated and went to, you know, real life, they decided to split. Well, we're gonna get into the details when we break down this week's breakup.
0: We had a pretty meet cute, honestly. It was freshman year of high school, and we were both in the same English class. And I was, you know, playing with my pencil as one does when you're bored in class, and it like launched across the room, um, and hit him. (laughs) And he gave me back my pencil, and we introduced ourselves, and that was how I first met him. Um, And then we realized that we were both in bands together, so we became sort of friends after that. But then very quickly started dating. We were together for all of high school, so we really grew together. He was. Very, very sweet, um, very kind, always looking out for the other people. Um, he was on the football team and he was a leader in bands. So he was very like involved in a lot of community things and made a lot of friends. And I think I really appreciated that about him because I had always found making friends sort of a, a hard thing to do. So I really admired that about him. He was so easy with everybody and just got along really well.
1: What's a good memory that you have from your relationship? Do you remember just kind of like a moment where you're like, oh, my God, I kind of love this guy.
0: That's a really great question. Every August um, where I grew up, you can see the a meteor shower, um, which is like shooting stars. The first summer that we were dating, uh, we went out into the the orchards. I grew up in kind of a farming town. Um, We put a blanket out and we were just laying out under the stars, like looking at the shooting stars. And that was like a really beautiful moment that I still think about and I still remember because it was just so nice to just be calm and together with somebody that was like appreciating the same thing that I was.
1: Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. That's like straight out of a CW show. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of
0: a fairy tale there.
1: (laughs) Okay, so talk to me about when things start to get bad. Is there a moment where you kind of remember clocking like, ooh, this doesn't feel right?
0: I think that there was sort of a series of things that I didn't realize at the time that were making me like think harder and sort of question the relationship. Uh, Like I said, I grew up in a pretty small town. It was very like sort of farming, sort of hunting kind of community and his family was really big into guns. They were big sort of shooting culture. His dad had guns at the house, his grandpa, I remember watching the Super Bowl with his family one time and at the halftime show, they all went outside and shot clay pigeons. And I was just inside watching Beyonce by myself because I'm like, I'm not going to give up Beyonce right now. <laughs> so that was one of those moments where I just realized that our values were really not aligned because I do not really care for guns. It's never really been something that I've ever wanted in my life. And if I ever had kids, it's not something I would want them to be around or be exposed to really. Sort of that. And I guess sort of along that line, um, we had really different expectations of what life was going to look like. I think when you're in high school, when you're young, you don't really think about the future that much. As we got towards junior year, senior year, and I was going considering going to college, that was very much a given in my family. Like you would go to college 100%. That wasn't the same for him, for his family. And I had sort of pushed him. I mean, he was always smart academically, but never really wanted to challenge himself. And I had pushed him to take, you know, like AP classes with me and honors classes. And he did well in them, but it was definitely more of a struggle for him than it was for me. And as we got ready to you know, graduate high school, I sort of pushed him into applying to college, um, I think. Um, I don't know that he would have applied to like a four year on his own. He might've gone to a community college for a bit or something like that, or maybe not. He was always really good at like working with his hands and might've gone into like a plumbing like his dad or something like that. But that was sort of another moment where I realized that our expectations of life weren't necessarily aligned because I really value education. I really value that in my family and that was always something that I wanted to see in the future, and I think as an adult, a grown up now looking back at it, that that's not something that you can I guess it's not a value that I'm willing to compromise on. And that's not something that I knew at the time that, um, you know, we have these values and some of them we're willing to compromise on and some of them we're not. At the time, it just sort of felt like a kind of icky feeling like, ooh, I don't really know where this is going. It feels like we're kind of diverging in our paths, really moving away from one another.
1: Well, it's hard to make a really adult decision when you're still a kid. And you don't really feel that way when you're 17. And And to be fair, like, I don't want to discredit 17 year olds or relationships that end up working from that. But at the same time, life changes so much between the ages of 18 and 25. The person that you're compatible with at 17 isn't necessarily the type of person that's going to work with you for the rest of your life. So I think that's very uh, emotionally intelligent of you to recognize, even if it's in, in hindsight, even if it was just like an icky feeling at first. So where does the breakup go from here is there like a moment where things really start to take a turn for the worst
0: yeah so after we went off to college we went to two separate colleges about four hours away from one another and we were doing long distance and I know everybody says like you know don't take your high school partner to college with you and you know the turkey drop and all that stuff and we made it past Thanksgiving and we were feeling pretty confident about it because it wasn't that long distance we could still go see each other pretty frequently um, we talked a lot um, I was having a hard time sort of like acclimating to college being so far away from my family and all the friends and he was having a little trouble acclimating to the like the academics of college so we were still very much in contact with each other like 24 7. that really changed around uh like january of my freshman year i was out at a party and i got roofied and i was assaulted and At the time, I didn't know, I didn't really have the language or the understanding of what sex and consent was to know that that was assault. And that's something I'm working through right now. Um, I hold a lot of um, you know, pent up anger, I think, at the Catholic school I went to and just the very Christian family I was raised in that didn't really prepare me for real life. So that being said, I did not at the time realize that it was assault. And so I called him and told him that I had cheated on him because that's how I saw it. Like, I know now that's not what happened, but that's really how I felt and what I saw. And he was understandably very angry <laughs> and heartbroken. and. I drove up there to see him. We spent the whole day talking, kind of trying to figure it out, kind of not because this was a really, you know, it was really big and I was very upset about it. He was obviously very upset as well. And so we kind of ended up with, all right, let's just not talk to each other for a couple months and see how it goes. And I drove back to my college at like 2 a.m. in the morning (laughs) and he stayed there and we really went no contact for a couple months about three months later, I'd say he texted me and wanted to get back in contact. And I very much wanted to, I really missed him. But the other thing that happened is that while I wasn't talking to him, I think that gave me some more space to come out of my shell. And I really started to find my people at college. At this point, I was also questioning my sexuality, sort of wanting to explore with people of other genders and other backgrounds. Didn't really realize how small of a town I had come from and how much my world was opening up in college. So I think he initiated that contact again with the intention of dating again and I wasn't sure how I felt about that. So we were sort of off and on for a couple months. We'd see each other every once in a while, whenever we were back in our hometown together, he would come down to visit me every once in a while. I'd go up to visit him. And every time we saw each other, it was the exact same story. You just fall into that pattern of, he was my person for so long. By the time this is happening, we've been dating for over four years. And he was really, you know, my best friend, a really solid support for me. And so we just always fall back into the same pattern of "We're, we're dating, but we're not just very often and on and throughout this whole time he's keeping secret from me that he's really sick and also that he's failing out of college he flunked like all of his classes second the second semester i think maybe he was embarrassed to tell me or something but he really didn't tell me until the summer of freshman year i get a phone call from his mom, which was very odd because I hadn't been in contact with her since we'd graduated and her and I had always had kind of a rocky relationship and I just got this call from her that said he was in the hospital and she didn't know what had happened between us because he apparently wasn't sharing and she wasn't aware that we had broken up. She just knew that something was going on where he hadn't told me he was in the hospital but she told me. So I came back to my hometown. I went and saw him and we just instantly fell back into dating again, even though, that wasn't really what I wanted. Like the whole time I was trying to figure out do I actually want to date him? Should I try to take this opportunity to make a clean break? I also had a lot of guilt though about the fact that I had cheated on him. You know, in my view, that's what had happened. It was a lot of guilt. You know, he's in the hospital. You don't want to break up with somebody when they're in the hospital. Like that's some bad karma for life.
1: (laughs) Wait, when you say that he's sick, is this like a chronic illness or like a form of cancer?
0: So it turned out to be Crohn's disease but we didn't know that at the time Crohn's is like a digestive disorder so he was like he'd lost like 80 pounds in like two months like he was could not keep anything down he was very ill and it was quite a shock when I saw him in the hospital because he was he was a lineman he played on the football team he was a big guy and he just suddenly was shrunk down to nothing oh
1: my gosh you almost guilted yourself into staying with him because you blamed yourself for that incident but also like how do you leave someone when they've lost 80 pounds and are starting to kind of waste away
0: right and he you know failed out of college. I didn't know if he was going to go back. Like there were a lot of things going on in his life too at the time that were just made me feel like I needed to be there for him because his parents were were not always around as well. So I think I naturally sort of fell into a caretaking role with him even even before we went off to college.
1: Gotcha. Did any part of you resent that or were you kind of so consumed with your own guilt that you couldn't really see anything else?
0: No, I definitely did resent it. I was young and a little bit cruel, I think at the time because I would want to go out with my friends to the lake or something and he couldn't go and the choice was do i stay home with him or do i go and oftentimes i just went and i think that that's really telling of the fact that maybe i didn't want to be in that relationship and didn't want to be that person for him at the time that i would rather you know be somewhere else.
1: Talk to me also a little bit about why you blamed yourself for that incident of sexual assault. What was it about your upbringing that shaped your view on that situation?
0: I think it was that I'd only had abstinence only sex education where they don't really teach you about the real world like the idea is just that you say no and nothing happens there's never anything gray about it there's never anything that might be questioned you know and sex was not something that was talked about in my house so i knew i knew very little about it most of what i had learned came from watching like films you know movies and TV shows and those don't always show the best methods of consent anyways. I had been out at a party. I had been drinking. I was wearing a tight little top and a tight little skirt. It was my fault in my idea. I also didn't realize until later that I'd been roofied. I thought that maybe I just had too much to drink, but my friends who were at the party with me told me, no, I had two drinks and I can hold more than that. Um, So I was pretty confident I wasn't just drunk, but I was so, so sick the next day. Uh, Everything was so blurry. it wasn't until a couple weeks later when another one of my friends was roofied at a party and she knew that she was roofied that I started to put the dots connect the dots and realize that that's what had happened I wasn't just really drunk there something else had happened
1: thankfully your friends sound like they're incredible friends I had a situation too where my friends had to like drag me home and they were like well you just had too much to drink and I'm like I have been blackout drunk before and I've never once woken up that sick you don't remember anything and I had like three drinks. I'm like, girl, look, I can I can hold my liquor. So it's just so different. And it just kind of adds to that feeling of guilt. Did I drink too much? Did I do this to myself? Because I'm sure, like you said, you had a Catholic upbringing. So you sort of had that religious guilt of, well, this is technically a sin. So maybe I deserve this in some way.
0: Yeah, it was definitely felt like that. Like maybe I was asking for it. (laughs) That's just like the parlance that everybody uses and talks about it. But that sinks deeply into you, you know, especially when you're young and you don't know how to say no or that. no should be listened to and that not saying anything is also not consent. It needs to be a verbal and enthusiastic yes. And not knowing that put me in a really vulnerable place.
1: If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. So talk to me about where this goes. So now you're like basically his caretaker, which is sort of building up this resentment in you. And you're like not even sure if you want to be in this relationship, period. So where does it go from here?
0: I think I need to back up a little bit and talk about his parents because they really come into this, especially his mom. So Senior year of high school, his parents were going through a divorce and his parents had been wanting to get divorced since he was like 12 or 13, but they were waiting until he was 18. So they didn't have to deal with like child support and alimony and all that like complicated stuff. In my personal opinion, not a great reason to stay together, but that's what happened. After his parents separated, um, he moved in with his mom and his mom was sort of having a, a midlife crisis of sorts. I don't know. She was going out on lots of dates and not really coming home. She would leave like money on the counter or a card. And he was just kind of living by himself. And this was, you know, senior year of high school. It's sort of a stressful time, but also a time where like you want your parents to be around and be proud of you be there for, you know, senior night. And And to help you with college applications and essays and and all that sort of stuff. And that wasn't happening for him at home. And he spent a lot of time at my house. He had dinner with my family almost every night. He and my mom got really close. They both really enjoy football. So they had a lot of things to talk about. I think his mom sort of resented that I sort of stepped into that role. And I think she could also tell that I was judging her for how she was behaving. Obviously, I don't know everything going on in her life, but I felt and still do feel at the time that it's not appropriate to leave your child on their own for that long, even if he was technically 18. So she could kind of tell that I did not like her. And we had a very awkward exchange at graduation where she sort of pulls me aside and confronts me and, and asks me why I don't like her.
1: Eating better is just one of the things that makes me feel better. And you know what also makes me feel better? Not having to clean up my kitchen when I just want to eat. This living alone thing is great until you realize you're responsible for all the cooking and cleaning around the apartment. And something that's been really helpful for me around mealtime is Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You've got over 35 different options to choose from each week, including calorie-smart, protein plus and keto. Each meal takes about two minutes to heat up and there are so many yummy options like pancakes, smoothies, and more. Also, you know I love an afternoon snack and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is also super flexible, so if you want to pause and skip for a couple of weeks, you can totally do that. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% and off. If you're like me, and the second you get home from work, you are ravenous. You are going to love these new meals I've been trying out from Factor. Factor has delicious, ready to eat meals that you can make in two minutes with pre prepared, chef crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. It's so convenient. I have like grocery store ADHD. Anytime I go to like Publix or something, I'm buying everything and then I come home with no meals. Whereas Factor, it's all the meal prep done for you. You've got 35 different options. Options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. If you want to get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go, head to factormeals.com breakup50 and use code BREAKUP50 to get 50% off. That's code BREAKUP50 at factormeals.com BREAKUP50 to get 50 50 off.
0: 50% I didn't really know what to say. I just sort of made something up. I was like, oh, like, I, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. That's not really what's going on. Like, I just, I sort of see that, you know, your actions and the divorce has been really hard on him and, and I really care about him. So that upsets me. Like I sort of tried to skirt around the topic. And that was the last time I had talked to her until she called me to tell me, me that he was in the hospital. So complicated backstory with his parents. I now forgot the original question.
1: Once you take on the role of, of being his caretaker, how does the relationship or breakup, I'm assuming, go from here?
0: Yes, so the reason I was telling you about this was that I felt like even more resentment about being his caretaker in that moment because I had already been doing that. That was my role when we were in high school still. And even through college, I would like read his essays for him and return them with like comments and grammar fixes and stuff like that. So there was definitely a lot of resentment about this caretaking. Did you not feel like it was reciprocated? It definitely was not reciprocated. I felt like I was always the one who would plan things, who put a lot of effort into the relationship. And it didn't feel like he had maybe not the or the time, but also I felt like he didn't really care enough to do the same for me. At the time when he was in the hospital, I was going through um, yoga teacher training to become a yoga instructor. That was far away. So I was driving back and forth, you know, an hour each way to go to my classes. And then I'd often stop at the hospital and see him on my way, spent several nights there. Um, I really felt like I was there more than his parents. And in fact, when he was released and then readmitted a couple weeks later, he called me instead of his parents to come wait with him in the, in the waiting room. And I think that that made his mom really angry. Everything sort of comes to a head. The last time he's being released from the hospital, um, he told me that he's supposed to be discharged in the morning. And I said I'd get takeout from our favorite restaurant and I'd meet him at home that night. And it comes to be around like, you know, 11am. I haven't heard anything. But you know, hospitals are slow. So I just text him to see what's going on. Like, hey, any updates? I don't really hear anything. So I text him again a couple hours later. I still don't hear anything. Maybe an hour after that, I text him again. At this point, it's like 5 p.m. I'm getting worried. Like they said he's going to be released in the morning. Like, did he get sick again? Did they decide they have to do something? Were there more tests? and he's not answering my texts or my calls. And I'm getting really stressed and really anxious about this. And then my phone starts ringing and it's his mom. And I was like, oh great, she's gonna tell me what's going on. And I answer the phone and immediately she just launches into this tirade, just yelling at me, berating me, telling me that I put too much pressure on him, that I have ruined his life because I forced him to go to college and the stress is what caused him to get sick, which I don't think that that's what happened. that I'm trying to replace her, that I'm always demanding too much attention and too much time. And this all felt so unfair to me because from my point of view, I've been taking over her role and I had to because she wouldn't like, of course I'm trying to demand this attention and this time because all I have done is give him attention and give him time. And I just wanted a little bit for myself. I didn't think it was too hard for him to text me that I wasn't getting out that day or for someone, you know, if he felt really ill, he could have asked his mom or. His dad to shoot me a text or something. They had my number. So she's she's yelling at me. I I try to stop her to ask like what's going on. And she she tells me to stop talking back to her. Um and I hung up, just hung up the phone and I come out into the living room and I'm crying. And my mom's like, What's going on? And I'm trying to explain to her what's happening when my phone rings again and it's and it's his mom again. And I answer it hoping maybe she's thought this through, we can have a conversation. Because at this point, I just thought this was a, a bad experience. It didn't seem like it was going to be the final straw. And she just starts yelling at me again. And I just hung up, I turned my phone off. I was like, I'm not dealing with this. My mom and I went out for ice cream. She consoled me. I was obviously very upset, you know, when you're 18 and an adult screaming at you, even if you know you're not in the wrong, it still feels really bad. The next day um, he does get out of the hospital in the morning and I go over to see him and I tell him what happened because I don't know if he knew what happened. And it turns out that he did know what happened and he didn't really care. He had almost no reaction to me telling him that she screamed at me, that I was upset, that this was hurting me. He just made excuses for her. He said, you know, it's really stressful having her only child in the hospital, which yes, I agree. Or she was stressed out because his dad has a new girlfriend and that's. Putting a lot of strain on their like co-parenting relationship, especially you know with him being sick. And I didn't think that that was a good enough excuse. I I felt like I had invested all this time and all this effort, all this energy into our relationship, into him, into taking care of him, and none of it was reciprocated. He would not stand by me when something bad happened.
1: I think you were describing in the beginning like you're just doing the things that any good partner would do. You know, you're you're helping him with his homework. You're encouraging him to be the best that he can be. And All of that can feel very one. I mean, it is one sided. It's so one sided if you're not getting anything back. And that's like it's not a toxic relationship, but it's certainly not one that's going to enrich your life. And that's really the only reason that we do this. Right. Is to have somebody that makes our life better. And so I don't blame you at all for snapping in that moment to get so emotional about it. Just wanting him to like show anything. I'm sure must have felt like talking to a brick wall.
0: Yeah, that was the most upsetting part to me was that he just really did not care. There was just no reaction to this. And I I wasn't going to stay with someone who doesn't appreciate me and isn't on my side.
1: Were you able to just cut the cord in that moment and say, I'm out or because being together for four years plus, I mean, I'm sure that was hard to to move on at some point.
0: Yeah, it was really hard to finally cut that cord, you know, because at this point we'd been having a sort of rocky off and on relationship for about six months and so it just felt like you know are we stumbling up a hill towards a new relationship or are we falling down a hill into something bad and i think at that point i realized it was going downhill and and i wanted out and we went no contact for a while that's the problem with growing up in a small town is that every time i'm back home i saw him because he worked at target (laughs) i would see him all the time and really you know all those feelings keep coming back up because that was never the problem the problem was not that i didn't care for him anymore or that i didn't, you know, love him Now I know that, you know, I was loving him in a different way at this point, more as a friend, more as, you know, a caretaker, a supporter and and less romantically, but those feelings were still there and it was really hard to see him all the time. Uh, We spent New Year's together over my my sophomore year and I think that was the last time I really felt something for him in, you know, a a romantic way. I had already decided, you know, I'm done with a relationship with you. I don't want that, but at this point I was just, you know, exploring in college having a good time. And he was very safe and comforting for me. It it felt good to return to that and know that there was still someone who cared about me there. And in that way, that was unfair of me to use him in that way as you know, sort of a comfort blanket in a way. But after New Year's, I sort of realized that those feelings had flipped, that I did not care for him romantically anymore. And at that point, I did just cut contact because I felt like it was really unfair to keep sort of stringing him along because it was clear that he still felt for me in a romantic way and was still maybe trying to start this relationship again.
1: Well, that's hard too. I mean, because This wasn't like a toxic situation. This wasn't abusive. It was just not, it's just not right. And it's hard to say goodbye to the good in the relationship when there's not like a ton of bad because you basically have to make the decision for yourself of like, I have to believe that there's better out there and I have to choose that. And that's really scary when it's not in front of you.
0: Right. And then you look back at it or you're telling a story to somebody and you think like, well, was it really that bad? We had so much good. We had so much fun together, so much joy. What I realize is that, the problem is that, you know, we didn't have those values aligned. We were growing in different paths, and would be important to me for somebody that I'm dating or somebody that I would consider marrying that their family also be a family that I would want to be with. I know that that's not universal. You know, some people don't really care. I know a lot of people have difficult relationships with their family or their parents, but that's always been something that I've pictured for myself. If I get married, I'm getting a whole nother family with it, right? And so I think that that's why it hit me so hard that it, his parents parents were very harsh with me, not somebody that I would want to spend Christmas with or New Year's or, quite frankly, have around my kids if we had any kids.
1: Well, especially if you're somebody who's going to choose marriage or choose just to be committed to somebody for a very long and extended period of time. Like, it's inevitable that you're going to spend holidays with this family at some point. And I think it's a very valid thing to want a family that doesn't hate you or is just like pleasant to be around. And I don't think that's like too much of an ask whatsoever how has dating been like moving forward i know you talked about exploring your sexuality and kind of being more exploratory talk to me about what life has been like since you decided to cut the cord
0: yeah so um i had a good time you know in college meeting lots of people trying out different things and then um I ended up meeting somebody uh, about a year after I cut contact with my ex-boyfriend and we just really clicked um we fell in love and we have still been dating he's moving in with me in a couple weeks and we're celebrating our 5 year anniversary in September. Oh, congratulate 5 years is a hell of a long- You are a long-term relationship person for sure. I get comfortable, I know what I like.
1: <laughs> so talk to me about the moment you knew that this relationship was different from your first. Like, Was there a moment where you're like, oh, this is what I was looking for. I just didn't know it was out there.
0: There was a very specific moment. This was maybe two or three months into us dating and we were over at a friend's house and we were all playing some games and we were playing Never Have I Ever. Somebody said, you know, never have I ever cheated. And I put a finger down and I took a drink. And because at that time I still considered the assault to have been cheating after we're leaving the friend's house and my partner asks me, you know, what was that about? Like, can I hear the story? You know, we're dating. And I, and I felt really awkward about telling him the story because I felt like, you know, I don't wanna look bad. I don't want to show to this person that I've only known for a couple months that I'm a cheater, right? And as soon as I start telling him the story, he just looks at me and he's like, that wasn't cheating. Like that was assault. And he just gave me a hug and he was like, are you okay? And I think that was the first time I had realized And quite frankly, the first time anybody had asked me if I was okay about that after this whole situation. And that was the moment that I knew I was like, you know, he's a really different person. He listened to the story. He really understood what was happening. And he told me it wasn't my fault. He was really there for me and really supportive. And That just made me feel so safe.
1: That's so huge. And I have a friend that has somewhat of a similar story and just the relief I could see leave her shoulders when she called me and she was like, you know, I told the guy that I'm dating what happened to me and he handled it so well. I mean, to be able to handle something so big and something that a lot of men I don't think can really comprehend so well I think speaks a lot about his character so I can totally see where you're coming from. Talk to me about your healing process with your sexual assault because I mean to blame yourself for it and then to have to like sort of relive it once you realize what it was how has that been for you?
0: I've been going to therapy and I think that it's really helped to just talk about it honestly really lay out exactly what happened. I know that Reliving it can be really traumatic for some people, but for me, it was very cathartic to tell someone and to have them sort of experience the emotions that I'm experiencing at the same time and be validated for that, to know that, you know, it's okay to be scared and angry and and frustrated and sad. It's okay to feel all of these different feelings. I also read a really excellent book that I think really helped me heal. It's called um, Sexual Citizens. I don't remember who it's by. It's definitely a difficult read, so there's a trigger warning there. It does talk a lot about assault, but um, it's written by a sociologist, and it really just looks at how our sort of dating culture, our background informs what we want from relationships and from sex. And it sort of brings up this idea of your sort of sexual roadmap and your sexual values and the things that you want and what you're trying to achieve from any particular relationship or sexual relationship. And I think that that gave me a lot of the vocabulary to be able to talk about what happened and what I'm feeling and to feel confident in myself that you know, I can still be a sexy person. I can still go out and have a good time and dance and have fun because now I know that my sexual project, my sexual values are not to have one night stands and hookups. You know, I feel a lot more confident in what I do know about myself and what I want. And I think that that book was, although a difficult read, was really enlightening for me and informative.
1: I'll have to pick it up and read it. That sounds really interesting without like, because I, I don't want you to be like, give me a book report. But like, what would you say is maybe the biggest takeaway or was there something in that book that you just really remember and just stuck well with you as you were like going through your healing process?
0: It has a lot of stories from other from uh, people who have been assaulted or had difficult or sort of just like mess see sexual encounters, and I think that reading about that messiness from other people really helped me understand and be okay with the fact that not everything is black and white. There's a lot of gray in the middle. There can be a lot of messiness, and I think that that really helped me feel like I... I think that really absolved me of blame in my in my mind because I realized that there is not really a right and there's not really a wrong. It's something that happened, and I can choose how to move forward with it. And other people have had these same experiences. Unfortunately. Other people will continue to have these experiences. Um, But it's comforting to know that you're not alone.
1: Well, I'm glad that you were able to get that through like a book of all things, because I'm sure it felt incredibly isolating, especially kind of like how I mentioned before. It's sort of like you had to heal from it twice. Like first you were sort of healing from the fact that like you were blaming yourself and then you had to heal from the fact that like, oh, this happened to me and I didn't realize it until like years later. But as we're kind of wrapping things up, I want to talk a little bit about your decision process as you were deciding to break up with your boyfriend of four years, because I think that's a really relatable thing to be a relationship where you've been in it for so long that it can just be so comfortable and it can just be easier to stay in it. Like if you could give anybody a piece of advice or just something that was helpful to you as you were moving on from that relationship? Like, what would you tell somebody that is kind of struggling to get out of that comfort zone?
0: I think that you have to ask yourself what exactly it is that you're afraid of. If you're afraid of failing, like of just failing at being in a relationship, that's not a good enough reason to stay. If you're just afraid of being lonely, I also don't think that's a good enough reason, reason to stay because your relationship should add something to your life not take away from it um it should really support you and i think looking at you know what was i actually afraid of what did i worry was going to happen um helped me get some clarity because i realized that i was more afraid to fail than i was to lose him knowing what you want from a relationship and a partner I think is about knowing yourself and like I talked about earlier, knowing your values and what you can and cannot compromise on. I think if I had had that clarity and really asked myself those deep questions, you know, what are my values? What do I see my life being? Does this person fit into that life that I see? Or can this person make progress with me towards that? Because no one's perfect. No one individual is perfect for any other individual. It's just, can you work on it together? Can you make progress? and the promise of making progress is not good enough. You need to actually work on it together.
1: Falling in love with potential is a dangerous game. Very. Is there anything you feel like we haven't talked about that you would like to say or just any kind of little tips or piece of advice you'd want the people to know?
0: I'd actually like to end on a sweet story um, because I actually got my cat out of this relationship. (laughs) We, my ex-boyfriend and I, were shopping at Walmart of all places and we were leaving the store and this little gray kitten jumped out of a box outside of Walmart and followed us to our car. And I love cats. And I was begging, begging my mom to take her home. But my mom is super allergic to cats. And we already had one at the house. So she was like, we really can't. And he saw how much I love this little kitten immediately. And so he said he'd take it home with him um, because they had a couple cats at home. So she lived with him and I went and saw her all the time. She was my favorite of all the cats. She's meowing outside my door right now, actually. Aww. She hears me talking about her. I was really sad to stop seeing her when we broke up, when I stopped you know, going over to his house when I came back to my hometown because she felt like she was our cat. We found her together. We, we always hung out with her together. Probably about a year after we went full no contact, um, he texts me out of the blue and he says, um, my parents are moving. My dad's moving. He's giving up the house. We need to find homes for some of the animals because he's only taking the one cat with him. And I instantly said, you know, if if no one's spoken for Scrappy, I'll take her. I'll take Scrappy. And he said, all right, she's yours. And he drove her down to me. And I um, have had her ever since. And she's the love of my life. Oh,
1: well, that's sweet. I'm glad you got Scrappy out of it. You got, have to tell Scrapia said hi, and I'm glad that you got something out of this relationship and, you know, some good life lessons and you ended up in a good relationship, which I always love a happy ending.
0: Yeah, definitely won't discount the lessons I learned, the memories made and. The wonderful cat I got out of it. Go
1: Scrappy. Well, thank you so much for coming on and telling us your story. And I mean, I know healing is not a linear process, but you, you feel like you're coming from a very healed place. Uh, I'm happy to see you in a good spot.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm happy to, to be healing as well. Tune in on Thursday
1: for a conversation about high school relationships and how they impact you growing up and on all your relationships that you'll have later on in your life. Amy from New Perspectives will be joining me for that. You know, we love Amy. And also don't forget to check out the Breakup Breakdown podcast brunch tickets in the episode description you'll be able to use the code breakdown9 until august 23rd for 10% off i'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next